0: On this episode of Sega Talk, we break the ancient seal to talk about Shining Force 2, a sorta sequel to the first Shining game. We dive deep into development, look at the characters, and strategically try to say Japanese names. All this and more on Sega Talk.
1: SEGA BITS presents SEGA TALK, a podcast talking all things Sega. With your hosts, George and Barry. giant talking I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to here.
0: Hello and welcome to SEGA TALK number 111. I'm your host, George, and joining my force is... Barry.
1: Hello, everybody, and I'm joined by a new friend this week. It's Mickey Mouse. Oh,
0: no, copyright. Stop. Stop, please. <laughs> hey, everybody.
1: Just look what he's wearing. He's dressed as an arcade operator.
0: I noticed is Isn't that. that cool? That is not cool yeah. at all because
1: Yeah.
0: you really, Mickey Mouse, copyright? <laughs> is he still under copyright, and how does that work? I heard that it was just like old designs, right? Like you can't use uh, Mickey in the next Sega game, right?
1: No, no, you can't. It would be the original, I think, short, but it hasn't happened yet. It's gonna happen. Eventually. Isn't it like
0: next year or something like that?
1: A couple of years. I don't know. So we could we could like totally just like show Mickey and and monetize the hell out of it. That'd be great.
0: I would love can't to wait. see I would love to see like Cuphead make a whole old Mickey stage <laughs> because they can, why not? And oh, see yeah. if, what yeah, anyway, this is not what we're talking about today. We're talking about <laughs> Shining Force 2 on the Sega Genesis, uh, also known in Japan as Shining Force 2, the Ancient Seal, which is a 1993 SRPG, and it was made by Sonic! Exclamation Mark so- Software Planning, and it was a follow-up, sort of, in the, in the name, sort of, for the first Shining Force game uh, that came out a year prior. And this mm-hmm. is not something we picked, right? This is a Patreon pick.
1: Oh, boy. That's right. You're putting me on the spot. I, I don't I, know I, who picked it.
0: <laughs> okay. So, yeah, our Patreon at www.patreon.com slash segabits lets you support this show. And it's the new year, and we love all our supporters. And you guys all pick great games, sometimes not so great, and sometimes people don't like that we don't like a game sometimes. But actually, Shining Force 2 is one of the games that I do like. And I think it's an actual really good... I want to say underrated, but I don't think Shining Force, the original games, were that underrated. At least not Mm -hmm. in SRPG standards, because I think it's one of the few games that actually made it to America. And uh, I think that's why I have a big fond memories of this game. But do you have the
1: Patreon pick? I sure do. In fact, the picker for this one is Michael S and here's his memories of shining force two. He says, I never owned a Genesis, but I played this on the Sega smash pack on dreamcast and really liked it. The strategy part was a lot of fun. I hope they make another modern strategy focused shining game, but I'm not really sure they still make shining games at all anymore. Really fun game. So that's his pick.
0: Hmm. Well, uh, it, the first game was in the Smash Pack. I actually had it I looked up the uh, other games that where this came out on and I, one of the things I was shocked at it it wasn't as widely released as I uh, thought when I grew up. Every time I thought I saw this game, it was really the first one in the package. And it's Interesting. More, and it's one of those things where like SRPGs. I love Valkyrie Chronicles. It's one of my favorite games. I think I beat it 3 times at this point with all the re-releases there's no way i'm gonna play it again these games are way too long they're too tedious the battles sometimes could take forever and Hmm. so srpgs is one of those things where you play them once and you're like i'm good moving on to the next game um and uh at least that's for me i don't know if people out there have time to play the same 100 or this one is 30 hours uh srpg over and over again but um What is your memories with uh, Shining Force 2?
1: You know, I I don't have strong memories of the Shining games. They just kind of appear constantly in compilations and ports and, you know, like on mobile phones, on the uh, Mega Drive Mini, as mentioned, Sega Smash Pack. So it's it's like you can't escape them. They're very, very uh, liberal with them in terms Mm -hmm. of putting them on compilations. So I always try them out. And I like them. Uh, I think strategy RPGs are. If you were to like make a, a tier list, it would be near the top. I prefer it to turn-based, um, which is why when I play uh, games like um, Sakura Wars or what one comes to mind. Oh, um, I really loved uh, Project Cross Zone. Mm. Like that's one of the rare RPGs. At least the first game I played from start to finish. And it's because I just, I like those little, like, bite sized sort of battles um, that they present. And I love the art style for this game, too. So, um, no real strong memories, never rented it, but played it a ton um, throughout the years, but not extensively. I just kind of would, like, dip my toes in, play a little bit. You know, that's just me.
0: And, like you said, uh, it's one of those games that was really pushed by Sega of America. I would say, like, a lot of people say that Sega sometimes kind of doesn't promote games well enough i feel like shining force was early on was one of those games that they actually pushed and they mm-hmm. pushed more than nintendo pushed their srpg franchise at the time which was a uh, fire emblem which n- literally never made it outside of japan so this is one right. of the rare moments where sega was like our franchise is coming to america and they actually did push it a lot it didn't just say it's a japanese game only for japanese people like, this game got pushed more than Gunstar Heroes, for example. So, um, yeah, definitely. I have uh, memories of playing these games um, later on, Now, when I was a kid. When I was a kid, I didn't want to read. I didn't want to think. I-, I-, I liked arcade-style games. They were fast to come in and get out. Um, but uh, playing this really made me appreciate uh, SRPGs. It was during the time when I was trying a lot of them, like Final Fantasy Tactics... Um, I think there's Landgrasser or something like that. There was another one that was uh, coming oh, yeah. out. And uh, so definitely appreciated this game, especially 3. 3 is always impressive how they uh, actually made a full 3D SRPG game on the Saturn. It has this really nice art style. I don't know if it's fake 3D. I don't know how what's going on there, but it has a very unique art style. But uh, yeah, really fond of the Shining Force original SRPG games. Um, Absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about development. Here we have our three main uh, developers. I mean, they were in a interview. Uh, there's a couple of interviews on Shunam-Ups-Lations uh, or Shunemlations Shmup,
1: or Shmupulations. There you go.
0: Where they <laughs> do old Japanese-only interviews and finally release them in English. They did a couple with uh, about Shining Force Two back in '93. One of the best ones were, was where these three developers, uh, Masayuki Hashimoto, Hiroyuki Takayashi, and Shogu Takayashi. So, Masayuki is the map designer. He's on the far left here in this picture, if you're looking at it in the video. Hiroyuki mm-hmm. is the guy in the middle. He was the producer and writer. He's smoking a, f- a fat cigarette here in this picture. And Shugo. They always are. And Shugo is the director on the right. Are these two people Shugo and uh Hiroyuki related because they have the same last name? No. <laughs> I don't think they are. I oh. I am assuming it's just a normal name. But before we get into development, I have one new thing we're doing this year. It's trivia time. So <laughs> during Shining uh, so Shining Force 2 is X release in the Shining series. So you got Four possible answers. A, the second. B, the third. C, the fourth. Or D, the fifth.
1: Mm, I'm going to guess B.
0: Wrong. Final answer. Wrong. No. It's actually the fifth entry. So we had Shining in the Darkness in 1991. Shining oh. Force in 1991. Shining Force gadian in... 1992 then gadian 2 and 93 then finally shining force 2 so it's technically <laughs> it says you know shining force 2 and we all think you know shining force 1 but we forget the game gear games that they made themselves which makes right. this the fifth which is kind of crazy because it's like three years or an, even at two years and they had right. five games already
1: and we should note too that this is our first shining force game mm-hmm. on sega talk so if you're like listening through these chronologically which is a uh, YouTube playlist we have you might think oh I, I missed Shining Force 1 but no that's not there yet so we right. actually um I guess have four games we need to cover uh chronologically right. um, but we we, sk- we skipped far ahead
0: right wow. so according to the team the general planning for Shining Force 2 began the following months after the release of the first game the first game came out in March 20th 1992 and uh april the team was already planning the sequel the team would have easy development time until june when the team had to make the uh, gadian one game for the game gear Mm. so during this uh planning stages it was mostly meetings and the basic programming one programmer on the project as we know before shining force 2 came out we got two game gear titles uh from reading uh From reading the history of the game, it was mostly developed on the side. So they were doing the the Game Gear titles and they were making Shining Force 2 on the side while they took breaks from the the Game Gear games. And uh, this seemed to help them. According to the Shining Force uh, 2 director, he said... There were so many times we'd be developing the Gadian, Gadian titles and have a neat idea, but it wasn't possible to add to the Gadian titles, so we shifted over to Shining Force 2. And then Hiroyuki said, Yes, it was while we worked on Gadian 2 that our vision for Shining Force 2 really came into focus. In fact, had we not made Gadean games, I doubt we would have developed Shining Force 2 as quickly as we did. Uh, are you surprised that the internal big team would focus so much effort on Game Gear titles over a console sequel? Especially considering hmm. back then handheld titles were considered lesser. Like you never saw Sonic Team making a Game Gear title over a console title.
1: Right. I think back then there was probably an internal push from Sega to have their developers, their their console developers make Um, game gear titles because they wanted to present a a more home console experience on the go Mm. with the game gear as opposed to how i think nintendo approached the game boy which were more travel bite-sized games um you know i mean uh, remind me are there zelda like original black and white game boy games or no
0: uh, I think there's Color, which is the same technology, but I don't know if there was one on the actual black and white only release. So right. I'm not so sure. I'm,
1: I have to imagine that was kind of a, a push from Sega. I also imagine, too, that they, they wanted to bring console players over to the Game Gear. So they would be like, oh, if you want more story, you just played the first Shining game, come on over to Game Gear. We got a little bit more. And I think... Uh, they did that with some other titles. There was a Golden Axe game, like a spinoff. Mm. Um, I can't recall if there was a Fantasy Star
0: there was, game for in Japan, there was. So
1: yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, there you go.
0: But I will say it's kind of um, unique that the main studio would develop the actual handheld is, games. Yeah. And can you think of any other uh, Sega console developer that actually developed their own handheld games?
1: Uh, no, not off the top of my head. The only thing I can really think of are uh, Master System games that were, like, ported over. Right. But oftentimes, as we discussed discussed on past shows, that was, like, an, a different internal team doing mm-hmm. Master System and Game Gear stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. Wow, that's pretty cool.
0: So, according to development uh, interviews, the game was just shy of 80 megabytes or bits which equals to two, uh, 10 MB of space on a modern computer language, uh, which is too big, so they had to compress it to 16 M bytes, cart, aka two megabytes. This whole byte in system thing gets me so confused when we talk about it because, like, <laughs> you have like some Sega Genesis games that like say they have a gajillion megabytes or whatever, and you're like, what? What does that even mean? But anyway, right? According to the team. They filled up 99.74% of the available me- memory on the cart, only having two kilobytes left. Uh, I wow. always feel like this is how big this game talk is, like, kind of worthless, but it seems to be a big deal in interviews. Uh, did you ever care about it in the past or today, like, when they bragged about <laughs> how, oh, this Street Fighter cartridge is five megabytes instead of four? Did, did it matter?
1: Uh, back in the day, it didn't really like uh, impress me when they would like, for example, virtual racing. I never really understood that. I was like, it's on a bigger cartridge. Why, why, why is this different from everything else? I guess the only thing that really kind of impressed me was Sonic and Knuckles, but that was less, I wasn't really thinking that it was like powered, like a double cartridge. I just was kind of thinking how cool it was that you could connect the games. So Mm. yeah, it it didn't really speak to me then. Um, I think I more think of, like, space in terms of, like, time. So, like, DVDs, like, when a DVD comes out and it has, like, a 20-minute episode on one disc, and I'm like, you could have put a couple more episodes on there. Right. You know? Um, in that case, yeah. But, like, you know, I look at a game like Sonic 1, and I look at a game like Shining Force 2, and I don't really think which one's taking up more of the cart. Right. Um, and I'm But I guess sure. that, that's kind of a thing... That's a thing now with Switch, though, right? Like, there's mm. different sized... Switch carts. cartridges, I learned. Yeah, there
0: is. Yeah, and I looked up the history of some of the cart stuff on here, and some interesting stuff. Like the biggest game released on the officially released on the Sega Mega Drive is uh, Street Fighter 2, which had a brand new five megabyte car, uh, cart. Oh wow! And uh, yeah. and then after that, it was uh, Pier Solar that had a six. And then it was that other one, uh, what was it called? Uh, we did an interview with the guy, the Watermelon, uh, the fighting game.
1: Oh, pa- 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 Papyrium. There yeah. you go.
0: That one's like eight megabytes. So this one's only two wow. megabytes and it holds 30 hours of uh, RPG gameplay. Um, I will say, though, like the presentation, if you showed me as a kid Shining Force 2, which I love and it's a good game. And then Sonic 2, I would be like, oh, Sonic 2 looks way better. Oh, man, that must have taken way <laughs> longer, right? Just because right. of the quality of the level design. And it's totally different, obviously. One's a platformer, one's an SRPG. But right. to me as a kid, I would be like, that must be like a gazillion megabytes. Um, the game's most difficult aspects when it was being developed was scheduling, especially the crunch time in the last week prior to release. At least f- for programmers, uh, Shi Mitsu, the, the map designer, he said it was actually quite easy. He didn't really have that much to do because his map design was already done, so he wasn't doing crunch time. Um, other issues, play testing the game. According to the team, they'd have to play the game from start to finish. Uh, and if something was broken, they would have to, they would need to fix it, then start the game all over again uh nikuro uh from the nikura from the team said he played the game three to four times completely through before it was approved uh just f- you know like i said it takes 30 hours to complete the game while 30 hours wow. is about right for a title th- released today it was rather long for a sega genesis game uh can you think of any uh, any other games that took longer than 30 minutes on the sega genesis to complete
1: Oh, in 30 hours? 30 um, hours no. Yeah. 30 I, minutes. Sorry. <laughs> I can't think of anything. I can think of, I remember as soon as we got into the Saturn and Dreamcast era, it would be like, oh, discs. And I always mm. thought discs meant a game was longer. And then I learned, you know, not too long ago that Panzer uh, Panzer Dragoon Saga is a really short game, but it's on like three or four discs. Yeah. <laughs> and it's yeah. because of the video files. <laughs> so, um, or Shenmue. Shenmue's not that long of a game, and it's three discs. So. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, I can't think of long Genesis games, though.
0: That's that's actually one. Of the, yeah, that's one of the things I was gonna say. Maybe Fantasy Star Four, but I think it's not even that long itself either. Oh
1: well. He's checking, computer. Oh yeah,
0: I am. Dumb- I am gonna check this one. But besides, uh, uh, see, it only takes like f- it says right Oh, twenty hours. I would say that's like not even close, right? So. Right. I would say this is probably one, if you're looking for the longest game on the Genesis, you got it right here. Um, wow. I want to have a, you're a designer, you do this for a living, yeah. let's talk Let's yeah. talk about the covers for these games, because this game has <laughs> two covers, and I actually was super confused, so I put the Sega Genesis one here. Um, I know that the European one is the same exact cover, they just flipped it over. I don't know which one is the actual true Cover like what angle are are we seeing the flipped one or is the European one seeing the flipped one? Good point. Who who do you think is seeing the flipped one? Because I think Americans I mean, have if, the right one.
1: If we can find like the uh, the artist's signature, maybe. Mm. um But I think America is probably the right one, just in terms of I don't know the layout. It Looks it, it works a little better. It's yeah. It seems a little. You know what? It, I, the American one has to be correct because when I look at the the British one or the European one, the eyes in the background just don't work going the other way. It just looks weird. There's something off about it.
0: So we got the you know? American. So we got the American one, which is like really high fantasy yeah. art. And it gives it that epic feel. And then we have the Japanese yeah. one, which has more of an anime feel. I know they're tr- they're both trying to convey the same thing: like the lead character screaming. But the anime one right. has more of a light-hearted look. You wouldn't be thinking high fantasy, more anime cartoon. And then this one looks yeah. like a fantasy book you would pick up on like a, a shelf at the time that was popular. Um, which do you think is a better look overall? Because I know this the Japanese one does capture the actual in-game art better, but your yeah, questions.
1: I mean I'm gonna have to go with the Japanese one. Um, and I know you're showing the the straight art there, right? Right. Right. Um, and the Japanese, the cover itself's not that much different. It just has the logo on top and it's like framed in a blue sort of box. Um, having said that, I do think the Japanese illustration art itself is a little too busy for the Mm -hmm. cover. Um, like I, I couldn't really tell what, what he was doing, but it's like, that's his arm coming out. And he's, like, holding it like this, and then the sword's going up. And then there's a hand holding a scepter, and it took me a second to see that it's actually the guy down And I don't know what that yellow stuff is, but then I was like, oh, it's a woman flying in. And then there's three more characters down below, and then a rat. So it's, like, a little too much. But when I go on the the back of the box, it just shows character art, which looks nice. Um, I mean... You know, uh, Japanese Sega games of that era definitely have an aesthetic that, you know, I think ages maybe not well, but it definitely is of the era. So when you see that, you're like, oh, that's classic 90s Sega Mega Drive, Japan sort of stuff. Right. Um, But one thing I really like that they did from Mega Drive all the way through to Dreamcast for the Japanese releases were the little icons. So it would tell you the players... There would be one for like genre, so like a sword or fighting, and then it would say like memory backup or something like that. Um, I think those are really classy. So I, I think the American stuff just did that kind of bland one player, and they would usually stick it on the back. Uh, but yeah, I, I think there's a larger episode to be done of Sega Talk where we just go through the cover art. Like really? just the design itself, like the layouts. You know what I mean?
0: Right, right. I actually agree. I think there's a lot of a uh, cool. I think there could be like I don't know. I, have, I I was thinking about this, the idea of how much they rebrand sometimes. These kind of box arts, right? Remember the Dreamcast had a rebranding. PlayStation mm-hmm. Three had major rebrandings like three times in five years. Uh, I think it's interesting. I do. I I wonder why they we haven't had more information on the artist that originally rebranded it and like what do they feel like when the company's like we're rebranding all our games f that other guy that made the designs not good enough so (laughs) i always wonder what they feel like or what they think of the new designs that they made right like so i don't know but um so shiny force 2 i like the american logo a lot i like i think the colors work quite effectively um Mm -hmm. I do think that the I do like the American one because, like you said, it's more focused. It's easier on the eyes. I love the Japanese art, and I usually would go for the Japanese art. But exactly what you said, it's way too busy. There's too much things going on on this particular art. I would make him redo it with less things. Right. Um, but the Shining Force Two is pretty typical uh, Sega of America art. Like this game would look right at home right next to Golden Axe. Like the art <laughs> Absolutely. and and echo the dolphins. So, I think it works for each region where they were going for. And I like uh, I like the American one more. Maybe it's just nostalgia. I don't know. I guess we'll see. So, <clears throat> let's talk about the story and the characters. Um, according to the team, they had four different story ideas, but only one prevailed through. Uh, but some of the ideas of the other stories they had planned actually made it to the final game. While Shining Force 2, in name, is a sequel to Shining Force, story-wise, it doesn't really have anything to do with the first game, but one of the stories pitched would have tied Shining in the Darkness and Shining Force 1 to Shining Force 2. Uh, Hmm. I know that a lot of JRPGs have nothing to do with their sequels. Uh, For example, Final Fantasies don't really have anything to do with each other. You don't have to play a prior game to understand the uh, next one. Uh, do right. you? Uh, do you think uh, tying these kind of games together is a necessary thing, or you think it doesn't really matter?
1: Um, I mean, if you have a strong main character, then yes, absolutely. Um, but I, I'm trying to think. Like, I, I think the really strong main characters in Sega RPGs haven't really had even a sequel like skies of our, Ar- I think I'd say vice of skies of Arcadia is probably one of the strongest, like personality design. Like I just all around really great looking character and he only ever got one game. Um, so I, I can't really speak to that, but yeah, it, in the case of these, like I think they work as one-off adventures. I like how fantasy star Deals with it, where it's like different generations fighting the same returning evil. Right. And and what what I love about that is when you play Fantasy Star Online, if you have the the knowledge of the previous games, they give you little hints of that history within the universe. So it's like really cool. I think Fantasy Star is probably one of Sega's strongest uh, RPG universes, just because they keep building on it. And even though they don't re- characters don't return really you know that they existed in that past and characters will like talk about them, which I think is really strong uh, in terms of like world building, storytelling, things like that. Um, but it's, it, it is a shame that, that shining force has never really had a solid, like main character that people talk about, you know, it's more an aesthetic that, that we see. So, Mm. yeah, well, up to a point.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Right. Right. And, uh, I uh, I think I don't know I'm I'm this I'm in the weird situation because like there is some similarities in the story like they have these like characters or bosses like you said only they change them up every game and if you play the other one it gives you a little more um what do say lore of the bad guys I guess I do like that aspect of it but like I agree I think the cast should be totally different outside of maybe like one or two grandkids or like this person was related to this person outside of that i don't think you should like bog the sequel down with a bunch of uh plot points that happened a game ago right so right i i I, it depends on how you do it it has to be tasteful that's all it has to be okay for new people to you know join in because like no one would have bought final fantasy 7 if you had to play six other games before it right So I was going to read the plot with all the names and stuff, but I think it's just going to confuse people. So I went to Moby Games, and I'm going to read their description for the game. The plot consists of such quests as saving the princes from the clutches of demons, rebuilding the hero's hometown, and uniting various forces of good together against the hero's nemesis. Along the way, the hero will be joined by many characters who will seek aid to aid him in his journey. Several of these characters can only be obtained. By completing side quests. In addition to random battles. That can occur between program scenarios. Giving the hero's party. A chance to obtain experience. And gain levels outside of set scenarios. So. So in the game. It starts off with a thief. Called Slade. Stealing two jewels from an ancient shrine. And setting these motions. These strange events. With the resurrection of Zeon. And there's a lot of this, like, good versus evil, very, um... I would say this game is closer to Lord of the Rings in the way that, like, Final Fantasy Tactics is closer to Game of Thrones, in a way. Like, this game is not trying to tell you, like, political... They're not trying to be political. It's not trying to to have any message... It's just a good versus evil game where you join with your friends and you beat up demons... (laughs) That's it. There's like, I, I personally don't think there's like any like really message they were trying to convey, but they took the story seriously when I read the interview. So what are your thoughts in these type of stories? Do you like it when, I uh, mean? do you like it when developers try to like preach? I know there's some games remember when we were watching <laughs> the, the game awards and we were watching the infamous one. And the guy was crying about how they patted him down TSA and how it influenced oh, wow. the game. Did you remember that you were, you were laughing at it. <laughs>
1: I was not laughing at it. You said um, it
0: was hilarious.
1: I didn't. I never did that. Okay, um, I know you didn't. I, I don't have a problem with that. I think if if a game, um, you know has has a message to to convey and they convey it well and it you know, touches people or makes them think, I don't think there's any problem with that. Um, I, I do think that just looking at Sega's catalog, they rarely do that. If anything, it's much larger stories. Like you mentioned, good versus evil. Um, In the case of Sonic, it was like very light environmental messages, Mm. but never in your face, hitting you on the head. Like it's not like Sonic was collecting recycling symbols, Mm. you know, or like throwing stuff in the trash can. Um, But I, I think when you tell these like more epic, timeless tales, people will see current history being told in them because you know history repeats itself so i I personally i think it's it's stronger to tell a story like that um than to make something that's super specific to a you know a small group of people especially something on this scale like i can't imagine them doing like shining force 2 and like telling an allegory for like the Vietnam War or something. <laughs>
0: right, right, right.
1: Um, not that there's anything wrong with that, but I just I don't think that's what people are looking for.
0: And uh, I agree. I think there has to be some more lighthearted games. I actually do like uh, what Final Fantasy Tactics is doing. I just don't think that's what I uh, expect from fin- uh, Shining Force. I think if they ever made another game, I think they should focus more on uh, building friendships because I feel like one of the biggest selling points in these games, especially... well. So, like, according to the developer right here, it says the, the idea of the game was not centered around killing, uh, which is sometimes a problem, according to them, when you do these war-like simulators. Uh, mm-hmm. The idea was that it was good versus evil and that it was about your characters teaming up to take down this evil. So, uh, we'll we'll look at some of the characters right now, but I think focusing if they ever make a fourth game on like the way persona does the sli- uh, the slice of life where you guys are just hanging out or yakuza 7 does it really well too where you hang out with your actual uh team and you get to learn more right. by side quest uh, i think falconer chronicles 4 did that a lot in the new game that's something they this kind of game should focus more on instead of trying to do a political message but that's just my uh two cents on that So let's look at the diverse cast. And when I'm saying diverse, I'm saying like this game is not just, I'm not just saying women or whatever. I'm saying there's literal other species in this game where you play as. So let's look at, I I linked to the,
1: holy crap.
0: So this is how many characters you could, you could get. So Bowie right here, if you open it, he's basically the lead character. I, I really love the art in this game, by the way, but. He's the lead character. He's kind of your swordsman, uh, stereo, teenage stereotype. Um, but if you look at somebody like, let me see, uh, Freja, I think that's what he is. He's like a human, he's like an old dude with a bald head, like a Vicar. Like, what? Like, uh, all right, cool. So this guy you could join your party. So you get a bunch of different Lemon. I think Lemon is just a, yeah, there you go. It's like an old guy. And that's something, uh, it says he's a vampire. So it really shows you how different some of these characters are like in terms of age and sex and i think there's a a few girls here right like sarah she's a she's a typical mage type of character Uh, elf mage um what do you think about these type of uh i don't know characters so far like you're clicking around, right? They're pretty diverse in yeah. terms... Of, like, you don't expect a short, old bald man to be in a party of with a teenager, usually.
1: No, but I, I like it. I like how diverse they are. I like how different de- the designs are. It reminds me a bit of... Um, uh, I, I recently just mentioned it. Um, Skies of Arcadia. Right. Um, of course, another strategy RPG with a large cast would be Valkyria Chronicles, but I don't think they are... Diver as diverse as this, like it's mainly just a bunch of humans in similar uniforms. Mm. So, yeah, I, I think it's pretty cool. I, I, I don't see any character that I like dislike. You I know, must,
0: look at Screech. Like, that's who I want to be. The character from Alien Soldier. That's what I want to be. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, wow. so. It really does show you that they put a lot of thought into the character. And that's one of the things that bothers me so much about the new Shining games. They don't they don't care about the fact that they used to have centaurs in the game. Like, everyone's a, uh, uh, I don't know, they look like they're 16-year-old anime girls. Every single character, it's like, <laughs> that's crazy, I don't know. Right. Let's have some diversity here, but... Um, so, trivia time. So, apparently, okay. the, the game features a notable translation error. The game has this, uh, the three devils, the three bad, main bad guys. In the American, they're called Dark Soul, Dark Dragon, and Zeon. Uh, fans figured out, and Taguchi, the co director and programmer, confirmed it, that the Devil Kings are actually supposed to be Dark Soul, Lucifer, and Zeon this mistake was actually would screw up the history of the devil kings which was introduced in past console titles as the dark dragon is actually not a part of the devil kings but an arch rival i didn't Uh. know that i didn't know that so devil uh what is it uh dark dragon not part of the devil kings not a king just a dragon so thank you guys remember that And um, so let's talk a little bit about the gameplay. I don't want to go too much into the gameplay because I feel like, I mean, we could talk about the ins and outs of the game forever, right? Right. It's like, it's you don't get it, right? (laughs) Like I I don't know. Like it's kind of hard to explain, like the nuances of like of Final Fantasy tactics to everyone like every little bit right so i hope if you're watching this or listening to this at home you know how srpgs work if you haven't the game is a top down where you lead a party with a leader in this game being bowie uh around towns talk to locals and when combat happens you can move your characters and like chess pieces and then when fighting Mm -hmm. happens it's turn-based combat so that's the basics of it but I would say Shining Force 2 is quite like sh- uh, Sonic 2 and uh, Shine- well, *Sonic 2* and sh- uh, Streets of Rage 2 in where the sequel does everything the first game did, but bigger and better. And mm-hmm. uh, it kind of makes you question sometimes the first game, right? When you have these type of games where you're like, wow, should I even play the first game? Should I even recommend Sonic 1 or <laughs> sh- Streets of Rage 1 with how good the sequels are?
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, For example, Shining Force 2 features more open-ended and free-roaming, so it doesn't have a chapter system like the first game, which allows you to go back at any time to visit past areas. Uh, The Wikipedia entry actually said it had more characters, but I actually looked them both up, and they both have 30 characters. But I would say that they're more distinct-feeling and have more strategy in Shining Force 2 than they did in the first one, which felt more repetitive. Yeah. Um, so, what is your like? Do you, what is your opinion on the sequels? Like, is Sega Gen- is was Sega Genesis the like king of sequels? <laughs> like, I I can't think of one sequel where I was like, oh man, I'm not playing this game. Like, almost every mm. sequel had some selling feature where I'm like, wow, can't believe they did it again but better.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean we we've said on a previous show um that Sega just and I think video games in general, sequels are almost always better. It's not like movies mm. because, you know, they have a gameplay formula down. And then when the sequel comes, they improve on just about everything that didn't work the last time. Um, I, I think maybe the only time maybe they kind of suffer is when they try to do something completely different. Like, I know there are people that don't like Jet Set Radio Future, like, at all, but they love the first game. Um on the genesis I'd have to say probably the one sequel that does not surpass the original is Space Harrier 2. Mm. However, with the the Mega Drive Mini 2 remaking that and making it run like the original, it still doesn't outdo it but it definitely is like more Space Harrier this time. Mm. It's not like you you really feel the uh, the the Genesis like chugging along like it did with the original. Um but yeah, it, it's interesting. It is unique. Uh, I was going to ask with Shining Force 2, so um, I have not played it in a bit. But from what I remember, the, the strategy battles, they're not randomized, right? Uh,
0: I don't think think they are I, I i could be wrong about that i never really looked that up but i do know that like i had to literally to beat this game i had to look up strategies like use these three characters to become op right. yeah that's what i did uh i don't know if other people do that uh but i thought the game was hard but maybe it isn't that hard maybe i should tr- i mean i wanted to try it again on the me- mini too but i i just haven't gotten around to it
1: and then when when enemies appear it's not like random appearances where you're like walking and all of a sudden it's like battle time.
0: No, I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure it's no. not. I'm pretty sure it's scripted, but I'm not 100% sure on that. Right. One. I haven't played it in and a then, long time.
1: And then the other question I had was when when characters die, I know some return, but aren't there some that die and they never return?
0: Mm, that's another good question.
1: Cuz I was looking uh, at like certain characters and they have the ability to revive themselves but i'm uh, not sure no every, apparently every no
0: yet. you just lose half your gold
1: okay so it's a pretty right. forgiving game considering yeah yeah there's so it some is games. but yeah I, I would say for people that have not played strategy rpgs um think of it as basically like a board game or right. i guess dungeons right. and dragons mm-hmm. where everything is already kind of scripted it makes perfect sense i guess for a person who doesn't know or get rpgs i think to be quite honest the fact that like um turn-based uh randomized encounters is actually really weird to people who are not like steeped in rpgs like if you took like a mom and plopped her down and she was playing it she'd be like what what just happened who's fighting me i didn't see anyone in front of me i was just running through a cave and all of a sudden like there's 10 bats Mm, you know (laughs) right um and I, I honestly, I'm not a big fan of turn-based role-playing games, but I love strategy RPGs, I think just because it just makes sense to me uh, to see the, the world, like the map overhead, to know this character's there, to be able to run around and really feel like you're progressing through the game as you're fighting, I think is really cool. I don't like stopping and being like, like, for example, you're you're in a cave running through, and it's uniquely designed, but then when the um, uh, randomized battle happens in a game like Skies of Arcadia or something, you're suddenly in, like, a new cave area that's the same every time. Mm, you know what I mean? I know what you're talking about. And <laughs> so
0: We actually, I was talking to my brother about this because there was a game yeah. that literally one of their selling points on the Steam page was, like, where you're battling is the actual battle, like it's not a pre-made, like you're saying. And I'm like, I never even thought about that when, like, I played JRPGs. Is so like typical for to have that. Yeah. That I never thought about it before. That 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 it was pre-made. I don't know. I just never really looked at the background. But yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah.
1: So I think I guess what what a really strong selling point for SRPGs is is that it uses the environments as a battle setting. Mm-hmm. And so it's I guess it's just a much more creative way to use the overworld map because the overworld map is also a way to battle your way through, which I think is really cool. Um, so, yeah, that that's me trying to sell people who aren't into RPGs on strategy RPGs. And to be quite honest, I I think if you're like kind of a virgin to these, I don't think Shining Force 2 is the best first game to play. but. I would recommend Project Cross Zone 1 and 2, which I think are still on the eShop. They might be pulled already because of rights issues. Um, I'd also recommend um, Game Ground, which is like an arcade kind of mm. SRPG, I guess you could say. And oddly enough, a couple of years ago, I actually saw a guy, I think I told you this, he was just like playing Game Ground at Galping um, Post Arcade. Oh, Yes. And he was like, and someone nudged me, and they're like, that guy just broke a world record. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> cool. cool. And there's like no fanfare. You know, it's kind of like Beethoven, you know, composing at his piano, and no one's there to hear it. It was just oh. kind of sad.
0: <laughs> you think that happened to Be- I mean, Beethoven back then? Or you think he had like, because like, you got to imagine back in the olden days, probably like a few thousand people really saw Beethoven live, right? Like how many people could see him live? Do you, do you think he did rule tours?
1: That's a good point. I think right. we'll save that for Beethoven talk.
0: Oh, yeah, Beethoven talk. <laughs> well, the game, the Beethoven game that's based on the movie with the big dog.
1: Are you trying to do a segue into the music section? Let's talk about the music.
0: So <laughs> okay. in, the, in the music, I, I would say the music for this game is iconic. I, I don't think it's as, I don't know, li- I don't think the Shining Force soundtracks get the credit that other soundtracks get. Like, Definitely not up there with Streets of Rage 2. Definitely not up there with uh, Sonic 2. Definitely not up there with even the Shinobi soundtracks. Um, But it's still a great soundtrack, and I think you would be hard-pressed to find a game from Sega during this time period that did not have a great soundtrack. Actually, Barry, uh, can you name a really bad in-house Sega Genesis soundtrack?
1: No, I can't because... Sorry, it's impossible. No, because Sega's sound team at the time, they were masters of it. I think some of them helped uh, develop the actual sound chips so they knew what they were doing. I mean, there's a reason why Sega has their own recording studios. I don't know mm. if you saw the pictures. Um, I think there were videos recently in the new offices. They would do performances. Remember the Sonic Colors Ultimate?
0: Right. Um, I'm jealous. They of did that,
1: music but... videos from within the uh, Sega sound offices. So, yeah. Yeah. Amazing stuff. I mean, it, what other video game company has like people like um, uh, Jun Seno and and Otani and um, uh, Mitsuyoshi like on staff for like thirty plus years? It's right. insane.
0: Doing nothing, just
1: chilling. I can't think. Are there Nintendo? Like, I'm sure there's Nintendo no, yeah, composers for sure. on staff, but right. I don't hear about them Maybe like I do, do with the Sega guys.
0: Maybe they, I don't know, that is weird. I, there is some, like, um, there was, like, big news, like, the guy, well, I mean, you know, when the old, the last Donkey Kong Country, they got the original guy, right, from the Super Nintendo games, stuff like that. They do, right, right. But, I don't know. Let's look at some of these tracks on this track preview page. So, like, Dying Wish shows you kind of his range. This one's more of, like, a melodic one. You can skip through it. I'll play a little bit for the people listening at home. Right. Very cool piano sound. Um, there's stuff like uh, final, The Final Battle, which is more rock and more heavy to energize the audience in the battles. Um, one of the Shining Force 2 tracks also made it to that uh, Sega Forever uh, mix cassette. Remember that? I when have that. Li- yeah. Lively Village, I think, was the one that made it. It's not on the preview page, but... So, Shining Force 2 soundtrack is composed by Motoyaki Takayuchi, who is known for encompassing progressive rock, jazz fusion, and symphonic sounds into his uh, music. His influences include King Crimson, yes, Frank Zappa, and Emerson, Lake, and Palmer. Have you heard of any of these artists?
1: I've heard of Yes and Frank Zappa. Same. Um, but is Emerson, Lake and Palmer like one
0: group? I'm, right. I think it is one group because that's how it was posted in the thing. <laughs> and I never heard of them, so I didn't even Google them. So that's how much
1: cool what did cool they do.
0: Maybe they're like a. Let me see. Oh my God! I'm looking at their pictures, and they're like basically a hippie band, right?
1: Right. Right.
0: From the '70s, I would assume. Yeah, '78. They're a progressive rock supergroup formed in London in 1970. Hmm. I don't know what other bands they were from, but that's cool. I've actually never heard them. I will say Frank Zappa is probably the most popular person that I heard on this whole thing. I've actually heard maybe like three or four of his albums or maybe two of his albums. Yeah. and uh, I, think I saw
1: that... his um his unmarked grave. Oh, really? I found it. Yeah, he was buried... At um, this little cemetery in L.A., which actually a lot of really big-name celebrities are there, like uh, uh, Marilyn Monroe and Hugh Hefner and Sam Simon from The Simpsons. Uh, but he is an unmarked grave, and so people will take the little Z that they put on, like, um, sandwich signs, you know, at, like, sandwich oh, yeah. shops, and they'll just lay it in the grass where he is. So that was kind of cool. <laughs>
0: He was, a, he was a very strange guy. Like I, When I was hear, hearing his albums, I was like, wait, what is this song about? And I had to re-look at the lyrics. I'm like, oh, it's about banging a chick with another guy. All right, I didn't know you were going to make a whole <laughs> other song about that. That's a cool concept. Um, hey. Hey, whatever sells. Hey, it's the 70s. Um, uh, Te- Tekanuchi actually started his career at Sega with Jewel Master, and would move on to compose Landstalker with Climax. He would then mm-hmm. leave Climax and start working on the Shining, the Game Gear Shining Force games, and he composed Shining titles for Sega all the way till Shining Wisdom on Sega Saturn. Video game work pretty much stopped during the mid-'90s. Uh, you can still see Takenuchi on Twitter, where he shares some of the fan covers of his music, but he doesn't really post that much, to be honest. And uh, I did bring up the page uh i i'm showing it right now if anybody wants to uh follow him he doesn't really tweet i've noticed this with a lot of like uh japanese music composers they're not all uh uh, hideki they're not all posting all the time and memeing all the time they some of them seem to have an actual thing app and you know what it's kind of weird i'm surprised more sega composers didn't take a after Hideki and go, you know what? I'm just going to start posting uh, Femboy, bo- whatever, <laughs> trash. Whatever gets right. me, uh, you know, the views, right? Um, you think that uh, Hideki gets jobs because of how meme- memeable he is now?
1: I I think I've talked about that in the past where I was like, I don't know how he makes a living.
0: <laughs> I I don't know. I I do wonder. I mean... He doesn't want to do an interview with us, but if he did, that'd be the first question. I'd be like, "How the hell do you pay your bills when inflation is going up?"
1: I'd like to know, Hideki. So, is he insider training? I don't know.
0: T- training or trading?
1: Trade trading.
0: <laughs> trading. Okay, good.
1: Trading. He's training people to do insider, <laughs> insider, trading. insider trading. His first yeah, guy was Naka, yeah.
0: and look what happened. Anyway, uh,
1: his so, best student. His be- <laughs>
0: Shining Force 2 OST only got an official release in Japan uh, in October of 1993 on CD, uh, released as the Symphonic Suite Shining Force 2, which includes 12 tracks from the game, uh, released by Pioneer LDC. Uh, here's a picture of it. It looks like literally a cave. This is literally one of the worst album covers I've ever seen. It's just like a picture of a cave. It literally tells you nothing about the game, and it uses it's a Japan exclusive. And uses the American logo. Weird, right? Um, I I do think the OSTs for all these games, like the Game Gear, the um, the Game Gear, the second one, the first one, uh, shining in the darkness. I think they need a vinyl release, like a box set with just the uh, original sixteen bit titles or the two D titles and uh because like they haven't really got massive release like we've literally are gonna get shining force one through four released on vinyl but we're not gonna get any of the shining force old games that's what's it's a little weird to me especially since they haven't had that many releases it'd be nice to see but yeah if you want to collect this i don't think it's i don't know if it's rare i actually didn't look up this cog up for this one but do you think it's rare?
1: Yes. I will. I will venture. It is rare.
0: The problem is, I was going to look it up, but there's a literal metal band called uh, Shining Force. <laughs> like, I'm not even lying. Like, you should check these guys out. Oh man, I got. I got to put it on the screen. I forgot to show you this before we did the podcast. But check this guy. These guys out. Do. Are you afraid? They're basically a. Uh, they they started in 1995. Probably played the games. Uh-huh. They were like these things are jamming, right? And uh, I don't know what kind of music they make. I can't see. They don't have a thing. They only have two albums, though. Huh. So maybe collecting these albums are, are more you know important. Cheaper. I do like the look of the band. You know, one looks like the guy from Trailer Park Boys, the guy that always has the drink. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I don't know how much they because they, they, they're blocking all the search results with their popular bands. Sorry, guys. But let's look at some of the promotions for this game. This game actually had quite a bit of promotion. So, the first image here is showing from this is in October 1st through the 3rd in 1993. Sonic hmm. Corp. I don't even know who Sonic Corp is. Like, what held a promotional release event for Shining Force 2 in L.A.O.X. Ox in Aqahabara, Aka, Aqahabara, I can't even say it. Aka, Aqahaba. And uh, several of the game developers to, uh, de- uh, attended and they had like a Q&A. This is one thing that always made me jealous when I was a kid. Like when you had like a EGM magazine where like the guys from Skies of Arcadia greeted fans and signed their copies of the game. I'm like, oh dude, I wish I could just go like wake <laughs> up, take a little like train Go to, like, in 30 minutes, be in some uh, line, get my Dreamcast game, and then talk to the developers about the game. Like, that's insane that this is something they got a chance to do with some of these legends. Very jealous of this kind of stuff. Uh, The next image is the American advert. I think this is a really cool ad. It really shows you the high fantasy aspect uh, aspect of it. It has our characters looking at a castle, or a house, really, and the the evil eyes with, and it says, "Evil shines darkest before the dawn." Um, what do you think about this ad?
1: I think it's great. I love. Um, I mean, we used it in the, the graphics right. for this. I mean, it's. I don't know. It's like a rare case of the American art looking pretty damn good. I'd have to. I can't. I can't tell if those are actors, or if it's a painting, you know what I mean? Like if they took like a horse photo and then like put a guy on top, I don't know, but it's,
0: it's done. It's pretty
1: epic. I think it's really good.
0: I agree. I think this is probably one of the, uh, this is one of the times I'm so happy that Sega didn't do that whole, like we're so extreme. Look, there's a college kid playing this game and he's become a warrior or whatever. They actually just went, we're making this game look epic and they did. I like it and the the next ad is so the japanese game actually in japan the game actually got an animated ad uh ad so let's look at that i think uh let me see if i have everything up all right i'm gonna I'm press play at one two three and the rat this is the main character
1: Okay. It's alright. I
0: I think it's cool that it had a little, like, uh, cartoon ad in the beginning. I think it really sets uh, the tone of the game. Obviously, it's about a thief that steals in an ancient tomb, so they kind of showed that. I always thought it was weird when um, Japanese adverts all of a sudden start speaking English. It's like if you're like watching uh, the new commercial for friends or something and all of a sudden they're just like spot- oh, they start speaking Japanese you'd be like, "Wait, what?" <laughs> like why <are laughs> Yeah, these- it doesn't
1: go- it doesn't work the other way, does right, it? You it never doesn't. see that.
0: That's what I'm saying. It's like, dude, is that the same? Like what is Japan- Why does Japan do that? I or- guess
1: the equivalent would be like over here we we say a lot of Spanish words. Just like not even thinking about it. I mean, in in your you speak Spanish,
0: right? But
1: I mean, like some some guy in Minnesota who doesn't speak Spanish might still say some Spanish phrase like "ay caramba," right, you know, right or something. Right. Yeah, um, but like this so, one, you this know, one I,
0: was I, like "strat to do your g." It's LG. weird, though. It's like what?
1: Like it doesn't exist right. in their language.
0: so like that's why i always wondered i'm like do japanese people just sit there and go oh yeah strategy rpg i know this word or is it like i don't know it's just weird to me that they use so much english in the ad that's all um so let's talk about the legacy of the game um in japan shining 2 4s became a bestseller which would continue with them churning out mostly high quality shining games for the sega saturn including Shining Wisdom, which is considered a direct sequel. Uh, Shining Wisdom was actually supposed to be on the Sega Genesis and was later ported to the Saturn. And Shining Force 3 also came out on the Saturn, which has three different releases. Massive game. Um, The biggest negative I could find from old reviews are the following. EGM stated that the plot could use a few more twists and turns but still said the music was good, the controls were user friendly, and the game improves over the first game in massive ways. The most negative person, GamePro. They said hmm. uh it was average, saying the soundtrack was too upbeat and out of place, the menu system was confusing, and that it and that the use of turn-based uh that they didn't like the use of turn-based and said that they should have used real-time combat it said that it made the game slow and clubbersome. Um, What do Mm. you think about that? Like, like, I think that GamePro has obviously been proven wrong over time. Like, I don't know. Like, I don't think people were like hoping that this game had real time. Like, I think we went the other way. Like the game actually now has real time combat and people were upset about it and they want it to be SRPG again.
1: Yeah, that is, that is odd. The use of turn-based makes the game slow and cumbersome. Wait, so they wanted it to be turn-based?
0: No, no, they wanted it to be real-time combat. And saying that oh, the-, the, real, that the uh, Like an
1: action game.
0: They wanted to, yeah, like, to be more like Shining. Uh, what's that one for the uh, Game Boy Advance? The Shining Wisdom, I think? No, not Shining Wisdom. It's like Shining something on the Game Boy. Yeah. Game. The ones by Atlas?
1: Right, right. Huh.
0: That's, well, that's kind
1: of like with... um, What what was it? Uh, oh, man. Sakura Wars, the new one, right. is not action. turn-based. Right. It's action, yeah.
0: So this that's is an odd. SRPG, right? So it's a sequel to a game that was uh, turn-based. So it's like saying... You know, Sonic 2, it's so good, but in the end of the day, he just runs so fast. I wish it was more like Mario, where you could just uh, enjoy the scenery more. And it's like... Right. But you played Sonic 1, you kind of know what the sequel's gonna be, right?
1: I think they wanted a different game. That's Right.
0: That's what I'm saying. So it's like, I hate when people do reviews, and they're like, why isn't this game something I like? And it's like, because it's an RPG, dude. That's how it works. Um, Right. In 2007... IGN actually named Shining Force uh put Shining Force 2 on their top 100 video games of all time at 48 mm. and Retro Gamer says it's amongst its top 10 Mega Drive games of all time. Would would Shining Force 2 make your personal top 10 Sega Genesis games, Barry?
1: Um me personally no, right. but that's not a knock on it. It's just because it's not a game I really grew up with. I actually never owned any rpgs for the genesis as a kid um however we did do a seg top 100 and it made 31 on our list
0: yeah i was thinking about this when i wrote the question i was like what did make my top 10 and i was thinking about all the great games there there are on the on the genesis and which ones i actually played growing up all the way and had fascinations with the action, the controls, and I don't think he'd even make my top 10. Top 20? Yes. Top 10? Probably not. There are just so many good games on the Sega Genesis. I think it really speaks to the quality of games that the Sega Genesis had at this time period. So I think top 20 is still pretty good for uh, a game on the Sega Genesis. So- oh, yeah,
1: not bad at all. And and on our, our top 141 was Shining Force 3, and then fifty-two was the original Shining Force, and then and then sixty-four was Shining Force CD, and I don't know if Shining. In the Darkness. I don't think Shining in the Darkness nah, ever made it. I don't think but it, that's a lot of love for the series. Oh for yeah, sure.
0: I think hardcore Sega fans really, really, really like this uh, series. Um, so let's talk about some ways to play this game. So let's say you don't have a Sega Genesis, sadly. You have a really bad life. I'm sorry. I feel bad for you. Everyone <laughs> should have a Sega Genesis or a Sega Mega Drive in their house. Right. Um, I, if I was president, every household will have one with a nice retro setup. It would be mandatory. Um, so some of the compilations where you could place Shining Force 2 if you're an unfortunate soul without a Mega Drive is the Wii Virtual Console in 2008. So I, that's what shocked me the most. Sega did nothing with Shining Force 2 all the way until 2008. And, and they released it on the uh, Wii Virtual Console. Then they released, <laughs> Then the year later, that's when the Floodgate opened with Sonic's Ultimate Genesis Collection in 2009. And then it goes Steam 2011. Nintendo Switch Online Plus Expansion in 2022. And recently on the Sega Genesis Mini 2 in 2022. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to play through it again on the Sega Genesis Mini that I, I have right here.
1: It's on mobile, too? Sega Forever.
0: Oh, yeah, I forgot. It also came out on Sega they, Forever.
1: I didn't even have this downloaded. I downloaded it as as we were recording here. They they put all three as one app now. So oh. it's Shining Force Classics. It's Shining Force, Shining Force 2, and Shining in the Darkness. So when you select the game, it loads up the menu screen there. Mm. So pretty epic. And pretty it's cool. free Lots on of... mobile, so... <laughs> With lots of ads.
0: <laughs> With lots of ads, sadly, right? And you could still have. Right. To, you could still buy it, right, for uh, whatever price it is.
1: I don't think so. I think only legacy games have that. Like, if you bought the past one, it will. But, you know.
0: Lame. I don't like that. They should give yeah. you an option. Also, I don't like. I like really hesitant when I buy games on mobile because. I'm afraid they don't have an offline mode, like most don't, and I can't play right. it in the plane. So when I usually play mobile games, is during plane rides, and I can't play them when there's no offline mode, and that makes me mad. That's why I always...
1: I think there are. I, I, I've played these on the plane before, but... Okay. Yeah.
0: Anything you Not... want to add about Shiny Force 2 before we wrap it up and call it a night?
1: Um... You know, not really outside of, you know, when when we do these shows about games that I actually don't have a strong attachment to or interest in, it always makes me more interested in the game after we talk about it. I think in this case, it's just, it's a game that I always kind of felt, I don't know, like I wasn't good enough for, (laughs) just because it was like, two, oh, I didn't play the first one, and then I see that 30 hours, and it just seems so daunting. Um it's like i'm not good enough for it but to be honest like with games like this like you really should just try them out even if you're not going to invest in them at least you know you've played it you've given it a given it a chance so um i'm looking forward to booting up the mega drive mini 2 maybe tomorrow and playing playing a little bit of it i don't think i'm going to play through it but yeah i
0: would not be um if you get further into the game and you actually enjoy it, doing pieces by the time, don't be afraid to look up online strategies on some OP moves with your characters. I think it's uh there's some moves that are just ridiculous. I think there was uh, when I was reading the shoot 'em up lations uh, interview with the three developers, one of them talked about how he beat the last guy in one shot, and they talked about wow. how he did it, uh, how he did it. So there's like, there's little ways to get through some of the stuff with critical hits and, So yeah, Um, any Patreon memories for Shining Force 2?
1: There is. So in addition to Michael S. that we read at the top of the show, we have Daniel Andress who says, Oh man, I still need to pick up these games. I'm going to grab Shining in the Darkness soon. The only one I sort of own is a burned disc of the Sega CD game, which I think is an enhanced port of the Game Gear ones. I'm not Mm -hmm. sure on that. Yeah. So that's what he has to say. So, yeah, and again, if you support us at any level, you can leave your memories at the end of the show. Or if you're a picker, we read it at the top. Um, George, do you want to know what we're talking about next time?
0: I actually do want to know because it's not on your list, so I don't know.
1: So, we are returning to the 1980s. In fact, it's our first 1980s show since November 2021. It's been insanely long that wow. we've actually done, a 1980s show. Um, and it's going to be a game that I think is long overdue to be talked about, Thunderblade. And the reason why, and this is actually not a Patreon pick, this is a very pick, because we're waiting for some Patreon pickers to get their new picks in, but I think they're all hung over from New Year's Eve. But I picked this one because I th- always kind of felt that in those first 100 Sega talks, we would hit all the Super Scalar games, and we haven't I think the two are really missing are Thunderblade and power drift um, I could be wrong maybe we didn't do hang on I'll have to check but um, yeah it just it's it's an important game it's an interesting game so we'll talk about that we'll talk about super Thunderblade we'll talk about some of the strange ports there's a tiger handheld version that exists so uh, yeah get get nostalgic get pixelated for the next Sega talk
0: And we'll see you guys next time on Sega Talk. Bye. Bye.